Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Let me ask you a question real quick. Do you ever want to live in a fantasy world where the most handsomest guy always ends up with a girl and he may at time travel the band, a secret prince, but no one in the story ever asks any questions. You can live on Park Ave with a salary from Mickey D's or walk from Denver all the way to New Orleans. But me, I prefer all the reality and the truth bombs drop from the crew at RTT. You got what we need. Cause these movies are a chore, but you keep us wanting more. RTP, yo, you got what we need. Cause roasting is your technique. I'm gonna tune in every week. Hey, hey. Laters, baby. But not too much laters. Cause you got what I need. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Mikey made us watch Before, Before we, go. we Go. So, Mikey, this is your pick. So, like, explain why you picked it. All right. So, this is one of, like, my go-to, like, like cheer up movies for some reason. I cheer up movies. This movie cheers fuck? you up. I don't know. It like it helps. I, I I always feel something when I watch this movie. I mean, I feel something too, but it's it's not like a comedy. No, I felt tired because it seems <laughs> to go on for years. I knew Paige wasn't gonna like it, but I knew Todd was. It takes place <laughs> over the course of one evening, and honestly, it's only like an hour and thirty some minutes. Right? It's not super long. It is ninety six minutes long. Yeah, yeah. It feels ninety six years long. <laughs> I like it. I, let me explain my first thoughts first. Oh, I'm sorry. The man who has interrupted every sentence I've started on every podcast we've had. Go ahead. You have fun. Thank you. <laughs> I like this movie because the stakes are very low. Uh, there's not a complicated plot. If you're sad, it kind of like mellows with that sadness. And then I like movies where, you know, you can be reminded that you can meet someone and it reminds you of like hope and things of that nature. Uh, and you can have like a, a powerful moment with someone for just a few hours and it doesn't have to be an affair or a love story or anything like that. But like you can meet someone in like a down down moment and they can kind of change your outlook on things or, you know, kind of change the direction of your life. Listen, I love this movie. Uh, this is not the first time I've seen it, although I watched it at a very, very sad time in my life. But I think it was on Netflix at the time. But like things were going bad in my relationship in San Diego and I watched this movie and I was like, well, I mean, it's about how men life can get and how scary that is and I think that is a real thing that a lot of people go through and like I don't think there's villains in this movie because her husband doesn't sound great either I think her husband is kind of a villain like we don't really meet him but 
but he yeah. is a bad guy. <laughs> Does that justify her actions? Probably not, but like she's lost and like her meeting him makes her have to deal with that at home, which I think is the point of it and him having to deal with his motivation, which I really like the complexity of that of like Me you too. can meet someone and and kind of yeah. I, it's a good like breakup movie and I feel like it's, it's a good movie when you're th- kind of feeling sad because like you know you could tell that it's nice when you meet someone you feel that kind of electricity that ease of comfort and like these two don't have that until like I think the middle of the night but like oh, I was gonna say most of the movie there's not a lot of chemistry in this movie they are not great together until the very very end when mm-hmm. they kind of make it happen I guess yeah I don't think until they get to the hotel room uh, uh, or, or like the the um, after he, he deals with his stuff yes like, they have to deal yeah. with their own internal issues first before like the chemistry takes off yeah and until then they're kind of just like really mean to each other but also yep. stuck together which i kind of think is funny yeah why do you love it todd I-, I mean i've had nights like this before and they're awesome and it's a lot of fun and it's i mean it's not it wasn't exactly the same but i've had these nights where i've like gone out with someone and it became a different sort of night like you're expecting one thing and it becomes something very very different you change your mm-hmm. whole life because of it like that that mm-hmm. sort of evening and they're sort of great, but also I've been where she has been, you know, or where she is at this in this night, you know, where her husband was like cheating on her and all that shit. So like, I can really sort of empathize with both characters. He's a musician. I'm into that, right? I know that you're into her because she's a very toothy blonde. Yes. When she goes running across the screen, I was like, oh, I remember why Mikey loves this movie. <laughs> Even though the hair and makeup department did her fucking wrong. Holy shit, does she look bad in this movie? And she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, she's been in a bunch of other stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, her hair looks like a wig-ass wig. And I think some of that is just her hair always kind of looks like a wig because of the shape of her face. But then, good lord, did the makeup department make her look terrible in this movie. Like, pointedly so. Yeah, it's a low-budget movie, though, so like, I, I think they just did the best thing they could. She doesn't have lipstick on this entire movie. Lipstick! That's baseline for camera! But she is stuck in New York. I mean, like... No, here's the thing, Mikey. There's lipstick like I'm wearing lipstick, and then there's lipstick like I need to make sure that this person doesn't look like they're dead on camera. And she doesn't even have that. They uh, they have nothing on her eyes and then they've caked foundation on her so you can actually see the crumbling foundation in the close-ups that is actively making her look more wrinkled. I was like, I'm not a makeup artist. I was having a coronary with how bad her skin looks in this movie and she does not have bad skin. That is a gorgeous woman. You have to work hard to make her look that bad. It was bad. You know what I didn't notice at all, Mikey? Any of yeah. that. Good for, for you guys. But I, I noticed it because I've seen Alice Eve and other things and I'm just like, who the fuck yeah, she's great. messed up her skin? <laughs> like, oh my God. And I love, I love the line that the guy was like, "You can't let who you love dictate how you are loved." And I was like, "Oh, that's such a good, that's such a good line." Yeah, I don't know. There's like a lot of good moments, and like Chris Evans plays a big dumb idiot who's just trying to help people, and I, I related to that a lot. Yeah. Okay, so here's my thing about this movie. I don't, I don't hate this movie, <laughs> okay. but I definitely don't like this movie. Okay. Gotcha. But it's in large part because I don't like romantic comedies. Well, that, but I, I don't <laughs> like movies where talking supersedes your story because. That to me is real rough to get through and it's such an easy problem to solve that it frustrates me immensely. So I knew when I picked it. Oh, oh, am I going to get to say my thoughts? (laughs) 
Well, I was going to explain to you that I knew you weren't going to like it because. Of- oh, so like you were mad that I interrupted you earlier and then you pop in mid sentence. I don't think you guys need me for this. I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I waited for a pause. That, that doesn't help. <laughs> I was in the middle of a thought. He did it to me earlier, too, Paige. <laughs> I have ADHD. OK, so do we so all. So do Mikey. I. We all do. <laughs> Real ADHD. I guess, Paige, I didn't realize that you and I had the fake ADHD. I didn't. I mean, mm-hmm. you should really tell my doctors and shit, I guess, but. <laughs> I don't know. The medicine I take still works for it, so it's fine. <sighs> anyway, it bothers me when story does not take a front seat or at least is not considered as much because the one crazy night trope can be done well. It absolutely can. I do prefer this to Before Sunset because I do think they are closer to integrating the story. And the problem this movie has is that every time it introduces a conflict, it immediately solves it, as opposed to connecting those conflicts into an overarching story, like a book smart, where every step they take leads them to the next step throughout the night. Or a movie that's kind of similar to this, but I kind of prefer the structure of Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Mm. I was going to ask you what one crazy night movies you enjoy. Yeah, Booksmart and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. But one thing that both of those movies do is that as things happen to these people, it compounds. So it's not just one thing happened and we solved that one thing and now we have to walk and look for the next thing. It's this thing happened, which led to this thing, which led to a different thing, which led to this thing. And that's how we're kind of making our way through. Um, So that's kind of my frustration with the movie. I do think it's not the worst version of this, but like it's, it's a perfect example of a movie that an actor would direct because they're picking something that they think will be fun to act and they're not considering how it will translate to a visual medium of film. That makes sense. I think this is his first movie he directed, and I think it's he his got only. I think he got torn apart from it. He did. It got really bad reviews on you know Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Yeah, I actually looked up articles where he talked about why he hasn't directed again since, and he, I guess, as a part of this and as a part of the the critical response to this movie, which was not good, uh, he has then come out later and said that he did not realize the impact of the script on the movie and that he thought they could edit the script to save it. And so that's why there's four credited writers Mm. on the script. It started as one, one guy script. It's been in development since 2008. And then he brought on four different writers to rewrite it for him because the version in 2008 got scrapped because they did not think the script was powerful enough. So he got the script for cheap and then tried to kind of like, fix it and he has then said even the best version of this movie had limits to how good it was going to be because of the script which i would agree i i think a hundred percent that is the case because if you look at a different you know version of this like i think book smart is one of the best versions of a one crazy night story. I think it's done in such an intentional and heartfelt way. And you really get the emotional weight of these characters, but also they're having these interesting interactions the whole time. I would say that those two characters aren't in a love story together. I mean, they have separate ones, but I think it's easier for that film to do it because they have a predetermined relationship. It's harder to do like I ran into someone and had a crazy night, I think. Right, which is what Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist is, which is not a perfect movie, movie, but I do really like that movie. And a huge part of it is they're searching for this one band, this one concert, basically, and it leads them 
place to place to place to place to place. So they have like a map kind of through the movie from a screenwriting perspective. And I think that's mostly what this movie is missing. That and there's not a ton of chemistry between them until the very end. That hotel scene almost saves it for me a little bit because there does seem to be a ton of chemistry between them at that point. And then the end happens and I kind of hated the end. But I also hated the advice that she had to go back to her husband who was clearly not a great guy because like it's one thing to like oh I accidentally slept with someone and I'm apologizing to you he had a whole additional relationship that he was hiding from her her relationship was a lie she was not wrong sometimes they still go back to that yeah I know and but people tell her to people give her advice people give terrible advice in this movie the advice that she gives him to go back and talk to his ex also bad advice the advice that everyone gives her to go back to her husband bad advice yeah and I think he feels like he has to say that because if not he just like dives into her he doesn't want to come off as like a bad guy he doesn't want to like see himself as like a bad guy but like yeah again it's all complicated because her husband is obviously not a great dude no yeah the only dude who like solid objectively is like the psychic who's like yes the psychic actually gave her good <laughs> advice where it's like hey sometimes you have to walk away because that's what you got to do for you and the person you love doesn't dictate how you are loved essentially like you don't just take what happens to you in a relationship it has to be collaborative mm -hmm. and you have to be a part of creating an environment where you are both loved in the way that you need to be loved which is part of their character flaws both of them which is yeah. you know like they feel they have to bend over backwards for who they care about right and they both give that advice to each other obviously i'm sure their friends are probably like the psychics which is like you're an idiot like do this yeah but hopefully like that's what i like about the movie is like hopefully that night kind of changes that for them a little bit or starges that process of change yeah i i would agree and i think that's that's the point of, of mm -hmm. what they're trying to get at in the movie it's frustrating it's frustrating like real people are frustrating no not really because i feel like real people would have either a not helped the way he does but also b probably given different advice or at least me as a real person was screaming different advice at the diff at the television. What do you, what do you think, Todd? I read it completely differently than Paige read it. I feel like they require each other to do the hard thing that actually benefits them long term. She forces him to go back and deal with his ex, which gives him closure, which is what he needed to move on with his life. And he holds her accountable to going back and either resolving things or leaving her husband, which is going to be a very difficult conversation or difficult therapy sessions with, you know, working it out with her husband. I don't know. I really love it because they do that for each other. Cause most of your friends are just like, do whatever's easiest for you. Uh, and they support you in doing whatever is easiest when that's not like the best thing for you. So like, yeah. I, that's one of the things I like about it. Maybe it's because I'm not that kind of friend. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so Paige, I'm not that kind of friend either. Yeah, but I have a ton of friends who like listen to. It's like you know, because we've done it to each other too. It's like yeah. you give great advice, and they're like, "Yes, but I'm gonna go do this," and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And as a helper, I mean, I'm not gonna say your therapist says that under their breath every time, but like you, you sometimes you just want to like shake someone and be like, "They are bad for you. They are obviously yeah. very bad for you." Yeah, I I think for me when she is encouraging him to go back. That scene is very much him being like, I, I planned it as this romantic thing. And the advice she gives him is like, maybe it still could be, maybe they're not together. And I'm like, no, this is bad. This is a bad idea. And also now that we have the story of 
she broke up with him. No, it's over, dude. She broke up with you. If she wanted to come running back to you, she would have in the six years. And she fucking didn't. And she didn't do it tonight either. So it's over. No, she brought a tall ass Cole down to meet you. She did. Yeah. She did. It's unnecessary. There's no reason for him to go back. And she talks him into going back. And it just doubles down on the pain. And yeah. I was just like, sometimes you got to double down on the pain to walk away. But no, because he wasn't going to go back. She talked him into I it. I know. And him not going back would have left that door open in his mind for another six years and would have been bad have. for him. I understand that. Because that's not, not the kind of person he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like that would be bad advice that you would be giving him. In, in that scene, he's like, she left me. She knew she wanted to leave. It was bad. He's getting to a place of like, it's over. And then she talks him into going back and he finds out she's pregnant. And he's like, okay, now it's over. And I'm like, you were already at over. I do think part of that is both of them trying to deflect what's going on between them. The chemistry as, between yeah. them, 100%. Mm-hmm. So her being like, you should go back. Yes, if it was like like you said in the beginning, if it was written a little more nuanced way, I think that would come yeah. across better. It's so like, in my mind, I'm like, she sent him back in because they're they're both kind of afraid to deal with what that means with each other. Which is what we get in the hotel room. That's when it finally gets good. But we wait too long to get there. I love the hotel scene and the end, the the phone call scene or whatever. I love those two scenes. And you're right. If all of them were of that caliber, this would be like a top 10 movie for me. If everything had the chemistry of that scene, but also if... Because you're right, they are deflecting. They are trying not to fall in love, essentially, this entire movie. If we had more exploration into that, I think, where then it is tricky, where it's like he's there to see someone, she's trying to get back to somebody, but clearly they shouldn't be going to either. And this is, like, if she's going to be the woman that jumps at love, this is the love she should jump at. And story-wise, like, from an arc, we never officially see her do that. We see her go back to... Someone that we know has been lying to her for months. She's not going back to be with that person or to break up with that person. We don't know what's in her mind. She's figuring it out. She's going back to figure it out, though. I mean, she does say that. This sounds terrible. I don't think there's much to figure out on that one. No, I do think she ends up staying with him and then in in my headcanon. Well, formed by specific trauma. Yeah. yeah. From my (laughs) history, I think she stayed with him at least... For a few more years. I think for me, that's the type of cheating that is a relationship ender. Because that's a full-ass relationship that you lived a lie about. I mean, and Paige, I'll say this. We never get confirmation that he was having sex with that woman in Atlanta. I think he was. She never physically says that. But they were having at least an emotional affair. Because that's what she describes. They were meeting up in hotel rooms at midnight. They Okay, so we never get confirmation of that. We get confirmation that she invited him. Oh, no. Fuck. We do. No, he definitely yeah, was yeah, there. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. No, was. you're right. I, I, I was going to say, though, that I think just the emotional affair part is grounds enough for being like, hey, I don't want to be a part of this yeah well and here's the thing i don't i i'm not gonna necessarily advocate for her throwing everything away and running away with chris evans although girl <laughs> why not you right? can do worse, you can do yeah. worse. <laughs> there's no way that her husband is better looking than chris evans i don't know he might look like cole with that beard did y'all see his beard oh chris evans yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah i know but i so i'm not advocating for that because i do think that's jumping from one em- emotional swamp into a new one and not dealing with what's going on 
But I do think that there is something to, I'm not going to go home right away. I'm going to go somewhere else and stay for a couple days and then figure things out. But I'm not going back to that relationship. I'm not going home. If she did that, that would make it real. And what she does is she puts it in this place where it doesn't have to be super real yet. And I liked how it was written of people because people are like, okay, personally, like my mom took a very long time to leave my dad or kick him out. Well, and she took a long time in this movie. She reads those emails for ostensibly months, if not a year. My dad cheated on my mom, probably their whole relationship, multiple times, multiple full affairs, one night stands, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's on good terms now. What a trauma as a child. But it took her a long because it was like, this is my whole life. I have kids. This is my house. Like what? Like to to walk through that door and be like, everything changes. This is, you know, it won't be this house. It won't be this life. It, it, it is scary to me. I think that's not good enough reasons not to make a change. Like, yeah. I wish my mom would have made a change earlier. I think she would have been happier. But like that's, I guess, what people have to go through when they like discuss all of that. But like, I think there are things that some, I don't know. It's just, it would be very hard to come back from that, for, at least for me personally. Yeah. And I would rather live an authentic life than anything else. Yeah, I, I feel like the the level of cheating that is implied is going on in this movie is grounds for I left the rings. Don't fucking talk to me. You can talk to my lawyer. I I feel like that is a 100% reasonable response in this relationship, given what she knows. I mean, that's how she left. Was it Boston she was trying to get back to? I mean, that's Boston. Yeah. Yeah. That's how she left Boston. She was like, okay, I'm fucking done. And, you know, I'm out. And then I think that I don't know. When you make a big change like that, that's like a huge change that can be very scary. So she has second thoughts. I feel yeah. like that's sort of natural. And mm-hmm. then yeah. when he, her husband, on the phone is like, I'm just going to come back tonight, that makes her like want to get back even more to sort of like change what she had done because right. she's like, well, he, he's choosing me, even though that probably isn't what happened. He probably is done having sex with her and then wanted right. to come home. Yeah. Or she was right. unavailable. Like something. Right. There's right. so right. many things that could be. That, that are maybe are not him choosing her. Yeah. And, right. And she yeah, hasn't yeah, yeah. told her friends or her family or anything that right. this has been going on. So yeah, she has been real with this yet. alone. And she has no perspective on this except for like being in it. Being in something gives you a, a perspective, but not a, like a top down. Like it's not an objective yeah. perspective. Like if she would have told her family or her friends or or a therapist or like hell the 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 psychic immediately got perspective from what she talked about he figured it out immediately yeah she needs that i mean because if not she'll stay there be miserable and think it's like okay because she doesn't want to upset all these people or her life and things like that which is sad she also in this movie to a lesser degree but it does give this her world ethos i guess she clearly believes in kind of a soulmate's version of true love where I jumped into this relationship, I chose love, and therefore that's what I have to salvage. But love is not just a pick thing once and that's it. You have to choose to be with those people every day and treat them with respect. And if someone is not treating you well, that is not love. And you can leave. You can choose love for yourself by not putting up with bad treatment. And I think Chris Evans's character had the same philosophy and the night helped him grow past that. Yeah, this movie is about both of them realizing that is a flawed view of love. And that is what the fortune teller tells them. And I love the fortune teller because he was in my favorite musical, 1776, the musical. He was oh, God. the good 
good senator from uh, South Carolina, Edward Rutledge. I guess they weren't senators at that point because they were in the Second Continental Congress. But he is amazing, and he's been in a bunch of movies since like the '60s. He's a great, great character actor. I have seen him in other stuff. I couldn't think of what it was. Yeah, he's wonderful, and in fact, he did a lot more later in life. So you see him yeah. in movies, looking like he does in this movie more than he did in 1776, the musical, mm-hmm. um, which is great, and we should do it at some point on a podcast. <laughs> I love how you both are vehemently shaking your heads. And I've seen 1776 and I'm still going to hard pass. (laughs) But I really do like the fortune teller scene because I think that's where you get the thrust of the movie, like what the point of the movie is. But I'm not saying you're wrong, Paige. I think your criticisms are valid. I just love this type of movie like this movie to me is in a completely different genre of romantic comedies like that before sunset all those before movies in my mind started i'm sure they didn't but that was like the first type of these that i saw i think they kind of did i like i, mean, I, I would give them credit for that sure yeah. I, I don't know i i there may be movies in the you know 60s and 70s that were like that too i have no idea but this movie to me feels like a better version of before sunset uh, and i and when i watched before sunset when i was like 20 or however old it was i loved that movie And then when we rewatched it, I was like, this is not great. When I rewatched this movie, I was like, still sort of dig it. Well, I mean, Before Sunset is about 20 year olds and we are way different people than we were at 20. And, you know, where you're at when you watch a film the first time kind of affects it. And if you go back and watch films, it sort of imprints it onto you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I like Starship Troopers for way different reasons than I liked it as a teenager. It's it's still kind of slaps, though. I mean, it slaps. But I'm like, oh, this is great commentary. (laughs) I would say where this movie excels a little bit for me is that the conversations they are having are driving the story and we are kind of finding out little bits and pieces about them in each conversation instead of conversations being about nothing. You mean like Before Sunrise? Yes. Exactly. Agree. Aggressively drives me nuts about Before Sunset and movies. A lot of movies like this. I was pleasantly surprised to see that this really does at least stay on track, even though the structure of their conflicts is not great movie structure and makes it kind of frustrating and annoying to watch for a lot of the movie. But at least when they are talking, it is useful information, which is a weird bargain basement baseline. (laughs) But it is. But it has to be there because other movies like Before Sunrise have not done it. Do that. (laughs) Yes. That's why I think this is a better version of Before Sunrise, at least in my mind. But I like this like I like time loop movies. Groundhog's Day did it first, but I want to see a lot. Yeah, well, and there are a lot of these type of movies, and I'm I'm sort of here for these type of movies. I like them a lot. But well, some people are like, if you want to watch this, watch Before Sunrise or watch Groundhog Day. I'm like, I'm like, just because it's done once doesn't mean you can't do another one. Like, I have, I like strawberry cake. I like also like the next strawberry cake that I will eat. But here's the thing. <laughs> I don't like it if it's not going to be good. Well, yeah, because you, you're you going to compare your cakes to all the other cakes. Well, no, just in general. It's like if, if I don't enjoy the movie, I'm not going to want to watch more movies like it if they are also not enjoyable. But I would point to like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist of like, this is an enjoyable version of this. So if you're struggling with like the non-enjoyable version of this, try this one. We are going to do that film. I have not seen Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist in easily a decade or more, so I'm fully prepared to watch it and be like, oh, this is terrible. I don't know why I liked this so much. (laughs) But 
I, I remember it being incredibly fun. I hope it still is because Paige, I felt the exact same way about Before Sunrise. And then when I watched yeah. it, I was like, fuck. I was so upset at how much I didn't like it near as much. But Ethan Hawke, super dreamy. Julia Delpy, super dreamy. Meh. I mean, you liked him better when he was wearing a mask, shirtless, holding a belt. But I mean, like, I yeah, get I it. Like, yeah, I mean, you don't want scrawny Ethan Hawke. You want 51-year-old no. Dom Ethan Hawke. I don't, I don't <laughs> want scrawny Ethan Hawke that's half teeth. No, thanks. I'm back in. <laughs> All right, let's just jump into the movie and talk about it scene by scene. All right, uh, so we open in Grand Central Station, New York, where Chris Evans is a busker, or at least that's what appears to be. We will find out differently throughout the night. And he's playing trumpet for people in the train station. He gets a call from his friend who we will find out is at a wedding reception and he's checking to see if someone is there uh, and his friend says, yes, but she's with some guy. Are you coming? And he says, I don't know. Text me at the address. And the friend says, I really hope you'll come. But that's the end of the phone call. As he finishes that phone call, we see that his battery is dying on his phone and we watch as Alice Eve runs past him through the station and drops her phone and breaks it. He picks up her phone and tries to kind of follow after her for a little bit. He doesn't like chase her down, but we do see that she misses her train. And as she walks back, he does catch up with her. This was the first place that I noticed her makeup because she doesn't have mascara or anything on. And on camera, it makes her eyes look red around the rims, but it makes them look like deep set. It's very strange. (laughs) Listen, Paige, I am not saying you're at all wrong. I'm just saying that I am too dumb to have noticed. I was like, man, she's really pretty. She is a very beautiful woman. Her makeup just looks unfinished. I do think they tried to make her look... Sad and tired? Yes. Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah. And and in doing so, made it look way worse than sad and tired. To me, it sounds like you think she looks sort of like a vampire? Kind of, yes, actually. Her <laughs> like skin dead looks... and colorless and like... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Her skin looks kind of gray at some points, and some of that's lighting for sure. <laughs> sure. But then, then there was like a close-up where I could see the crumbles of powder under her eye, and I was like, who did this? Anyway. <laughs> I love that you're seeing all this and like being very hypercritical, and that's fine. But Mike and I were just like, yeah, she's pretty. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> it just shows you how dumb men are. Yeah, I would. Ne- I'd never noticed stuff like that. Although, I'm I'll like, say man. the same thing. When I saw Chris Evans, I was like, God, he's a handsome son of a bitch. He mm-hmm. is. My big problem with this movie is that I can't imagine people this attractive having problems. My problem is in this movie is I've never met a trumpet player that is this charming. With- That's fair. <laughs> well, I've not met one because I live a good life. <laughs> I have friends who play trumpet. Like they usually have a little bit of an ego on them and they're very into themselves. You know, Mikey, you know when you find out that within a weird subset of people, some people think they're hot shit and you're yes. like, I couldn't care less. Yes. Oh my God. What why do you have an ego about I'm that? I'm the coolest person in this D and D group and you can't do anything <laughs> yeah. without me. I don't know if you know, but I play trumpet. It's because <laughs> trumpet players typically get the solos and like the they carry the themes usually. So like they usually are one of the more sought after musicians in an orchestra, at least on the in the brass section. This is so stupid. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have a thing like this. Paige, it's just like in Halo. I drive the warthog. 
So that's yeah. the coolest one of those three. You know what, Paige? I was just thinking that it's exactly like the guy who drives the warthog in Halo. <laughs> it's just like I mean, that. now that he mentions the the video game thing, I'm like, it's like me in my invincible armor in Horizon Zero <laughs> Anyway, back to this movie. So she walks her way back and he hands her the phone and there's an announcement over the loudspeaker that says the station's going to be closing and it'll reopen at 530 in the morning. Yeah. And she's like, I can't wait that long. I need to catch a train. Could I catch it at Penn Station? No, they're closing too. Like, I need to get back to Boston tonight, essentially. And she's not giving them all the information about why, but she's just, you know, that this is kind of her... And she's kind of talking out loud. She's not quite talking to Chris Evans yet. No, she's talking to, I think it was a janitor just sort of cleaning up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Chris Evans is still standing there. So like he's hearing all this or whatever. Well, I mean, he saw her break her phone as she was running for the train. Yeah. And she didn't stop to pick up her phone. So he collects her phone because he was there busking, playing his trumpet right. in the Grand Hall or whatever it's called in Grand Central Station. Yeah. And as he sees her, he's like, oh, you dropped this. Do you want this back? I'm sorry. I think it's broken. I mean. Obviously, she saw it fall, so she knows he didn't break it. But, like, he just walks away at that point because she walks to the janitor and asks if she can go to Penn Station with this ticket that she has for the train she missed. Yeah, but he's still standing close enough to kind of hear her. Yeah, 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 because they're close by. Yeah. Right. And it's dead. I mean, it's like 1.30 at Grand Central Station, which I'm sure is normally packed, but, like, there's maybe 10 people in the whole place. It's late. Yeah. They walk outside and... The rest of the movie doesn't have this, but this scene where he walks outside and she's standing outside trying to figure out what she's going to do clearly looks like it was filmed during the day to look like night. But just this one, like the rest of the movie doesn't. But for some reason, he walks outside and I was like, how's it daytime? And I was like, oh, it's not. This is just either lit very badly or it was filmed during the day and then tried to look like night. It's his first directorial effort, okay? Do not talk about Captain America that way. (laughs) I mean, I'm just pointing it out because sometimes it's a budget constraint thing as we've seen in other movies and I think that's probably what it was. I feel like that too. And I feel like this is like a, this would be a good learning film of like, oh yeah, this is like something you could do in a couple of weeks and like. I I think that's why he picked it, you know, and then has not done it since. I think maybe he didn't enjoy doing it. Maybe he learned that he didn't love it. Yeah. Although, I mean, based on this, I would love to see a sequel to this that he directed i would be game for that to find out what happened uh when she went back i mean given the things he has said about directing this movie that's never gonna happen <laughs> that doesn't surprise me <laughs> yes. but I, I mean it had yeah. the reception been better i would have loved to have seen that sort of like we got with the before trilogy you know we got three movies about what happened to them over 20 years i'd be game for that with this yeah anyway so he basically asks her like why are you what's your plan because you're a lady alone at like two in the morning and you're yeah. standing outside like, you know, and this is where we find out that her purse was stolen at a bar. So all she has is that ticket and like $13 and he's got like 80 bucks and he's like, well, let's get you a cab or whatever. And the fare to Boston is going to be a thousand bucks, 500 there, 500 back because it's a dead drive back. And so they can't do a cab. So. He tries to pay for it with a credit card. All his credit cards are maxed out. Yeah. Uh, The other is expired. And then the cab driver lets them know, like, on top of all of this, on top of the fact that it's an insurmountable amount of money for you right now, cab drivers are not licensed to operate outside New York City, so people aren't going to take the risk. So his phone's dead. They can't call a friend. And she's like, does any of your stuff work? And it's like, no one else is trying to help you. He even says that. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm holding up the front of the line of all the dudes that want to help you. (laughs) 
<laughs> and she, yeah. I don't know. I found that very funny to me because he's like, I don't have to help you. And she's like, oh, I guess you don't. And then they just walk away from each other. And I don't know why, but I found that very funny. It is kind of funny. <laughs> this is me in my day to day life. Right? I know. <laughs> I, I, and I do think it is like she was just like, okay, this man is going to be helping me. And then he can't help her. And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I don't have to help you. And she's like, oh, I I guess you are trying to be nice, but I was just a bitch. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> they, just like, they just walk away from each other. Here's what's terrible. I'm the kind of paranoid city person that I'd be like, no one would just try to help like that. He has ulterior motives. This is how I, I live my life like that. Page 100%. I would never have approached her yeah. because I would be afraid that she would run thinking I was going to try to do something bad to her. Right. You know, like that's what would be going through my head. And I am like five foot nine. There is nothing imposing about me, and I <laughs> yep. still would be afraid that she would be like, that tiny, scrawny gentleman might be able to hurt me. Like, There's no way I could. You might. I mean, yeah, I might have a weapon or something, yeah. But believe me, no one is under any threat when I am around of anything happening to them physically, at least not for me. Yeah. If I was in this movie, I'd be sprinting down the dark street behind her trying to be like, I'm not trying to kill you. I have your phone. <laughs> Bad idea. Mikey would be in jail. He'd be calling me like, hey, I need you to bail me out of jail. What'd you do? I tried Try to, to help, help a lady. <laughs> well, because here's the thing. She does eventually trust him and, and he proves to not have ulterior motives. Well, well. If he did have ulterior motives, how would she have gotten away from him? Like, think about that for a second. Like, he's six foot two or whatever. She's my height. He's Captain America. America. He's walking by her side in a city that she's not as familiar with. Right. She doesn't know where anything is. She has no money. In a way, she is trapped. Like, that's not what happens in this movie, but there could be a very easy, like, pivot to she is in danger. This would actually be a pretty compelling horror movie yeah. if it turned out that he was trying to kill her. Oh, my God. If When they go to the hotel, he's like, oh, I know a, a warm place we can just chill out until we go to the station tomorrow morning. Yeah. And then he takes her to, like, some, like, shack in the woods. Like, it, it would be, like, the biggest, the biggest turn in the world. They would be, like, fresh. And honestly, I know. Love we it. need to make that movie. Pay I will write the first half where it's like them doing the before sunrise thing and then you write the back half. I mean and also rewrite the front half because it'll be terrible. <laughs> I I prefer fresh to this movie any day of the week. So what you're saying is you prefer the winter soldier to Captain America. Now here's the thing though. <laughs> this is the question I want answered today. Yeah, who would you um, fuck? Yeah. Captain America with his shield or Bucky? With his robotic, his sex vibrating arm. robot arm. <laughs> um, I, I have always been a, a Captain America girl. However, okay. I get that I'm an Agent Carter kind of guy, so I get it. There you go. Captain there. America would never eat someone with you, so Paige is going Bucky. I know. Oh, you know Bucky liked to fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Uh. <laughs> I've always been a Captain America girl, but honestly, sandwich. That's what I want. Oh. You want a Both. sandwich? Oh, <laughs> I want to be the meat like, in a Captain America Winter Soldier to bread. To have a sandwich. But no, that makes sense. Yeah. But also a sandwich sounds great. But like, <laughs> no, I, I want to be a, the meat in that Captain America Winter Soldier sandwich. 
But honestly, yeah, I could go either way with it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, are you going to kick either out of bed? No. I'm like, no, gun to your head. Who not. are you going to pick? I understand why you'd pick Chris Evans in that situation. But like, right. listen, if both of them want to have sex with you, just like make it happen. <laughs> if I learned anything from Lady Gaga is that it's not gay if it's in a three way. <laughs> okay. So now I want to see a before we go style movie with Jake as the star where he's yes. like, meet someone. He's like. My wife got fucked by Captain America and Winter Soldier. And I can't go home now. <laughs> How do you compete with that? <laughs> I left a mean letter and now I don't know what I want to do. By the way, I have one peg leg. What? Because you took his feet. No, he has both feet. I've never seen Jake's feet, so. <laughs> he, that's because you're going to do weird sexual things with the information. Yeah, we have to hide Jake from you. That's just like a, that's a, an alliance that we came up with years ago on this yes. podcast. Yeah. Yes. That is wise, but hurtful. <laughs> anyway, so she walks away and leaves Chris Evans by that cab. But he follows her like a normal dude. Well, he does. He stays a few paces behind her. She rounds a corner and sees a group of drunk guys and she's alone. And I do think this scene actually does a really good job of depicting that how that feels does that make sense i think so too they're not like yeah. super malicious but it's still scary you, yeah yes they're they're not actively malicious but i can't trust them and so because they are an unknown in my world they are scary yeah yeah and so as she's kind of weighing her options of like do i walk past them do i walk away where, where do i move to avoid an interaction with them yeah Chris Evans catches up with her and puts his arm around her and does the fake girlfriend. Yes. And they walk past them basically without incident. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And they do this very much like he pretends to be her boyfriend slash husband in this moment to right. ease what probably was not going to be anything, but could be the potential of something very, very scary. Right. Yes. And I feel like they then trade off pretending to be boyfriend, girlfriend for like the rest of the night for different scenarios. And this is just like the first Mm-hmm. Scenario in which they pretend to do that And that can be a very slippery slope Into something else <laughs> Yeah Because I've done that And that's gotten me in trouble mm. Well and it is a, An accepted romance trope Of fake dating Yes it is It's like a, a thing Um, So as he kind of talks to her And one of my favorite tropes and, You know what It's a pretty fun one But he basically says like Do you want to get a hotel And she's like what And he's like no 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 Not like together But just like I don't know if you have friends In the city And you need a place To clearly at least Wait until tomorrow uh, To get on the train Chris Evans Has no ulterior motives But I do think Had she been like You know what I really would love To get a hotel with you He would have been like Sweet Taxi Yeah (laughs) Yeah, He's a guy Exactly So she Isn't ready to do that yet She still doesn't Quite trust him And he says Well then like Maybe let's find your purse And she's like Did you not hear It got stolen He's like No 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 But sometimes they just Take the cash And dump the purse And so they try To find the bar She was at As they walk to it They get kind of More introduction She introduces herself As Carrie Which we will find out Is not her name Yeah she stole it From Sex in the City Because Carrie Bradshaw Mm -hmm. And I do love How he sort of Calls her Miss Bradshaw Or refers to himself As Mr. Mm -hmm. Bradshaw Like throughout the evening As like a subtle nod Because I am fully On board With lying to people About your name Who you're never Going to talk to again Or like Inconsequential lies Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. to a maitre d' Or like when yeah. I go to a restaurant, uh, like I used to do this all the time back in like high school and college. I'd be like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I'm Mr. Shytheed." 
It's S-H-I-T-H-E-A-D. Yeah, yeah. Lying about things for no reason is definitely not one of the seven signs of a psychopath. <laughs> no, it doesn't it's matter. It's a sign of somebody having fun. You'll yeah. never see these people again. That's how it starts. Then you're cutting their arms off. And if you can get a host at a restaurant to be like, Mr. Shithead, uh, your table for two is <laughs> ready. Like, like, it's Shithade. That's the best. Yeah. I, I would always say Shithade, but like Shithade also would work, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to spell it quickly. It's it's S H I T H E A D. Sometimes I just pick a fun name. Yeah. Because like people struggle with Paige sometimes. They shouldn't. It's not that difficult of a name. You mentioned that before Paige and like that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me cuz like a page is a thing. Yeah, I mean it is spelled different but like But it's not pronounced different. But it's not pronounced different. They're homonyms or whatever you call those. <laughs> Homonyms. Whatever. People get very confused and usually ask me to repeat it a bunch of times. Um, so sometimes I'll just pick other names where I'm just like, it's Rhonda. Yeah. <laughs> like Barbara. Because it Hello. doesn't matter, Mikey. It just doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you should lie to like your friends and family. Yeah. And I would say if you go to the same Starbucks every morning, don't do it there because then they'll catch on and <laughs> be like, who the <laughs> hell are you? Paige, the best thing to do if you have like a regular spot like that, especially where they write your name on the cup, yeah. is change your name every day. That, that's <laughs> what I, that sounds hilarious. I mean, if I was like working at that Starbucks and like trying to unionize low key so I don't get fired, I would love that job. <laughs> Anyway, so they go to the bar, they yeah. check the bathroom trash can, which again, if your purse or something gets stolen, this is good advice. I check so the trash too. cans yeah. around. Because that makes perfect sense to me, but I'd never had that thought in my life. Yeah. And probably also like the dumpster behind the bar yep. would be a good mm-hmm. place to check, although that's super gross, but it is, but you'll probably find your purse. Yeah. And I guess it depends on who took your purse, because if they also try to take your credit cards, then like that sucks and you're you have to like cancel them. But sometimes yeah. they're just like cash and go. And they'll even leave credit cards and stuff. When Jake's car got stolen, we basically walked the route that they stole the car and found a lot of the stuff that was in his car. Really? That they just threw out. Yeah. Not all wow. of it. There's some stuff that like they clearly kept. And one of them was like this tank top with an alien on it that Jake really liked. And he's been bummed, like legitimately bummed that they stole his alien tank top. Okay. It, is it like a unique alien tank top? Can we replace it? I guess is my question. We, we've been trying to because okay. uh, it's like a specific design by a specific company. Okay. And I guess they don't make the same color right now. Ah, okay. I guess. All right. Well, Mikey, here's what I pitch. When we go to LA, let's find this tank top and we'll both wear it on the same day and see (laughs) if he brings it up. I can find the link. Do it. Paige, do (laughs) it. I'm going to find it and I'm going to steal it. Do it. (laughs) Find find the link we all wear it. That would be so (laughs) funny. But then we get him one too to be like, join us. We'd have to like give him one. I'll be like, I got mine on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) I found it on Craigslist. It said gently stolen. So I don't know what that (laughs) meant. It had the uh, name Jake on <laughs> it's really big on me, but I like it. I sleep in it. <laughs> it smells like a forest. He kind of does smell forest. <laughs> okay. All right. We're getting off track, Todd. I told you guys about the listener who asked someone that I knew in real life how Jake smelled, right? You did. That's yeah. So weird. <laughs> it is weird. Like it was really weird. I told Jake about it too. He's like, What? What did you tell him? That you smelled like shit? I don't need them yeah. honing in on my You smell side like pizza. that foot that you don't have. <laughs> <laughs> that I threw against the sliding glass door. Boom. I don't know why, but it tickled me so much when you made the sound it made when it hit that the glass door. That is the sound it, it makes. Yeah. It was very much a B O O 
FFF sound. What are you, my Boom. grandma? Yeah. I'll have you know that while I was waiting for you guys to join the Zoom call, I had a bowl of Crispix. Oh, that. I was going to have a bowl of Fruit Loops and then I'll do that after. Oh, a real That's cereal. Fun. Okay, I need to be I need to be honest with you. It's about time. Every time I buy milk, it spoils. <laughs> I do you not eat mac and cheese either? I don't, I don't cook mac and cheese often. I do love that you have the same relationship with milk that you have with relationships. But we exclusively have milk for cereal and mac and cheese. It's like we only buy like a half gallon at most. Okay, so I've had a rough month overall. Talk to me, Goose. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of dead bodies and like murders and like stuff. Bad stuff I have with my family and everything. Yeah. So like the next book I picked was I'm reading Beach Read, which is like a romantic comedy book. And I love it. Join me, Mikey. <laughs> Read romance novels. Let's do it together. on a pirate ship page. <laughs> but you're going to want them to. You're going to want them it's to. It's basically about two people who went to college. They become authors and one writes like serious dark books and one writes romance books and they they end up coincidentally living next to each other on a lake house and they challenge each other to write the opposite style book than they write and so like he takes her to like interview cult survivors and then she's planning like tropey romantic things for them like so and then like whoever gets the best book they have to like write the cover recommendation hmm I think that'd be difficult to make as a movie because it's hard to make watching other people write interesting. Well, that's like a like it's mainly their little dates and their chemistry. Like they held hands in the last chapter. I'm telling you, you're gonna want them to bone, Mikey. I want to read a book that's having more sex than me. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Todd's checked out. Where am I? What's happening? <laughs> well, we were talking about books, and Todd doesn't yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead and catch it when it's on the big screen. I really do feel like this relatively unknown director could do a great job with it. His name's Chris Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope he doesn't hire some alpha male prick trumpet player. Dude, I'm telling you, man. First trumpet and first French horn, always a douche. <laughs> I'm coming for you. I love learning about different societies. Oh. Can I prove my point about trumpet players? Yes. Yeah. The best trumpet player at my high school, his name was Brig. Ew. <laughs> Your parents named you after a boat prison? What? <laughs> after a boat prison? Yeah. We named him after where we conceived him. Uh. <laughs> On the high seas. I fed your mother me grog. I didn't realize that Briggs' parents were involved in a, one of Paige's ripped bodice romance novels. My bad. <laughs> they had the fake dating on a pirate ship. It was very Twelfth Night. You know, she was the, the, pretending to be the cabin boy. He was the first mate. And they, you know, sort of just fell in love. And he didn't realize that she was a woman until almost the end of the book. I mean, who's a woman anyway? That is fair, yeah. Femininity is a construct in a spectrum. Yes. <laughs> What's his sister's name, Bastille? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in Mobile, Alabama, uh -huh. the U.S. Alabama is a battleship that they have as a museum on the water. Okay. And I have two friends who had sex in that place. Yes. I have a bunch of friends who've had sex on the, the Queen Mary. Yeah. So they could name their kid Brig. This is all coming together. That have you works. met my daughter, Galley? <laughs> <laughs> Better than naming your daughter Anchor. Mikey, the uh, fort that is right on the Cumberland River was actually the first fort in Nashville. It's now like a historical site right off First Avenue right there. Yeah. I've had sex in that. Nice. So have many, many of the unhoused. Yep. <laughs> That's why we were standing up the whole time. I feel like Todd just bragged about having sex in a gross alley. It definitely is. It, it's more like having sex in a log cabin. It's like Ugh. a gross alley with a plaque that was like, 200 years ago, this was the fort. Don't mind the needles. 
wait, wait, how many years ago was this? Um, Six months ago. <laughs> no, no. The more recent, the better. If this was like 10 years ago, it's bad. Mikey. No joke. It was like nine or 10 years ago. What year is it? Oh, fuck. It was probably 11 years ago. Oh, oh Tani. And Mikey, it was disgusting. I am so happy right now. But it was also, no, this is not even a joke. It was also 1130 in the morning. Oh, my God, Todd. <laughs> On what day? Like, what is this happening? It was a uh, Saturday. I've gone on crisis calls there. Was, oh, no, <laughs> was like just nobody walking by or anything? No, no, no page. First Avenue very it much is, is very an alley. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean it's not. It is a street, but it very much is an alley. Like it's behind our Second Avenue is like the touristy bar, like music venues, right? Okay, it is the street behind that so like all of the bars by the river it's the riverfront it's, page it is the riverfront yes and that's why oh, the, no. the the original fort nashville was on the river okay 11 30 in the morning in a dirty alley <laughs> are you sure you've never done drugs that sounds like some heroin ass shit oh, i should not say this do oh. it spill the beans we were playing a gig at wild horse and we had to be there super early to set up <laughs> and uh you know one thing led to another and I ended up in Fort Nashville having a good time. <laughs> did you get your rabies shot after? <laughs> <laughs> How did you know she was a wolf? <laughs> She's a she-wolf in disgust. Yeah. I love that story so much. <laughs> oh, If you slept there today, you'd probably be arrested. Yeah, I, honestly, there was no one else there. And it was, I mean, there are like three or four like log cabin-ish type places that you can get into. And now I think it's locked. I don't even think you can get in it now. Yeah. Because people used to have <laughs> sex people there. People were going in there and like ODing <laughs> and having yes, sex. Todd thinks it's about teenagers having sex. It's not about that. They were just uh, ready-made camps uh, for people. Oh, God. This is haunted as fuck. So many. Whoo. I don't know. You guys are saying all these things, and I'm like, still had sex, though. So, like, <laughs> I feel like I win. I don't know. What's the statute of limitations on something like this? Wait, should I not talk about this on the podcast? No, no. no you're you're no. past it. Okay. Yeah, fine. yeah. Okay. I think I win by never having sex in a Confederate shack. I think is how I win. This wasn't a Confederate shack. This, this is, is pre-Confederacy. Before yeah. the Civil War. I once touched a girl's butt in front of the uh, Declaration of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly like what I did, Mikey. And I appreciate your vulnerability. It was a much, much busier place. Why are we touching people next to our monuments? This is both the saddest and most American thing ever. Because he wanted to feel Nick Cage's butt. <laughs> I don't have any stories like this. Paige, you got to get more adventurous. I, I'm just like, the worst I have is like, I, I've i groped my husband near that Little Caesars. The, <laughs> the Little Caesars, Paige? <laughs> Yeah, the original Little Caesars from the Revolutionary War. Paige, I'm going to tell you this because you were there. I once inappropriately touched Natalie at that Sears cabin we went to in Quilt World. Do you remember the guy oh, who started Sears? Oh, you mean the, Jay the birthplace oh, of J.C. Penny? Penny? That's what it was. It James was J.C. Penny. Cash Penny? His literal middle name was Cash. So sad I missed that day. 
but not anymore. <laughs> it was it was a pretty fun day. We literally drove 90 minutes to go look yeah. at fabrics. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I had a good time. Yeah, it was. we had a good time. We got milkshakes. Yeah. We saw the birthplace of James Cash Penny. I've done that before. I've, I drove a long way to see fabrics. It's just the women were removing them. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you drive so far to go to shitty strip clubs, Mikey? It was an upholstery place. <laughs> <laughs> Eat it. That's what we call in a joke world the dipsy doodle. <laughs> you think the joke's going one way and it just bobs and weaves another. I, I was going to say it was because they locked those log cabins, but upholstery is better. <laughs> All right, we've got to move on. We've been making fun of me for like 30 minutes. No, can we just do this forever? This is the oh. new podcast. Welcome back to our new podcast, Weird Places We Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I once got an HJ at a pool, and that pool was the fountain of youth that Hernando Cortez tried to find. Hernando Cortez? Was that his name? It was Cortez. You did get that right. Oh, no. I thought it was Fernando. I didn't think it was Hernando. But listen, gender is a spectrum. So, like, that's fine. <laughs> it is Fernando. <laughs> yeah. There was something in the air that night. The pool was bright. <laughs> Fernando. Her hand, though. Her hand, though. <laughs> <laughs> Did you complete into the pool? That's not because Mikey, we first off, I can tell that's a yes based upon your defensiveness. <laughs> and we did have a very long conversation about how long Jizz would stay in a pool at the beginning of an episode. I think it was the map of small tiny places that are filled with cum. <laughs> uh what was it? They they had to drain the pool because somebody got an HJ. Yeah. It was, it was like a teen movie. Dear Simon? Love Simon. Yeah. Love, Love Simon. Simon. That's right. So, Mikey, you were the person who got an HJ in that pool. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what school it was. <laughs> I was there to meet my girlfriend, who was a teacher. <laughs> who was a teacher, Mikey? <laughs> Next scene. <laughs> anyway, because we've barely scratched the surface of this movie. Nothing happens, though. It's fine. We'll blow through it. Yeah, nothing happens. So, they, they don't find the purse. Uh, but Chris Evans is like, well, sometimes the bartenders are in on it and he turns out to be right. So he talks to the bartender. They get basically an address to go find the purse and they make their way to that address. And on the way, we find out that he's in town for an audition the next day and it's for this kind of jazz guy. And her only experience with jazz was like a strip tease in high school. While she was singing My Funny Valentine. Right. Uh, and she's an art consultant. So she's in town to buy a painting. So the address that they have is not in a great neighborhood. So he insists on going with her. Yeah. To get her purse. To get her purse. And he also, as they're on their way walking there, basically tells her that he's in town for a wedding reception. And she's like, are you going to break up the wedding? And he's like, no, because it's not. I'm not there to see the bride or the groom. I'm there to see somebody else who's like a guest at the wedding. Yeah. So they arrive out in front. And it is bad news. Like, it's not a great place. Dark door, no windows, whole nine. And so he's like, I'm going to go. Tell me about your bag. I'll find it. And then I will meet you at a bar down the street. So she reveals that her initials are written in it by her stepson, B.D. Brooke Dalton, because she gave him a fake name before. Yeah, that's where she reveals that she gave him a fake name. So he goes inside. And while he does, she makes a call from a payphone, which the amount of payphones present in 2014 in this movie is bonkers. It was two, right? No, they use like six payphones in this movie. 
And is now here's the thing. Script was there from 2008. I think they shot it in 2013. And it's New York. I do bet there would be payphones, but they probably would have been removing them at this point, like in the process of removing them. Yeah. So as a true crime nerd, the presence of payphones factored heavily into the Adnan Syed case. And it was way before this and they were already removing payphones. So, well, that was like the year 2000 too. That was, that was way, way before this. Yeah. Yeah. So payphones were largely removed in 2007 to 2009. In fact, in 20, let's see, 2022. So this year, just a couple months ago, workers removed the final New York City payphones. So they still had them at the time of shooting then? Well, they had one set. So the fact that they go to more than one. Well, this is also, they probably shot this nine years ago. They did, but the bulk of New York City, like 90% of their payphones were gone by 2015. So they may have had some, but they would have been actively removing them as soon as 2007. Yeah. So she calls her husband at the hotel, and this is where he tells her he's coming home early. And she now realizes that she has to beat him back to Boston. Yeah, or at least that's what she wants to do at this point. That's what she wants to do at this point. We cut inside where he's looking for the purses and it drove me nuts that they were like, yeah, this whole room is Prada and it is just like a target lost and found room of purses. (laughs) Like even the one he picks up that's supposed to be hers is honestly like a JCPenney cast off. It's wild that they're like, this is Prada. I'm like, that's Claire's. Like, what are we doing (laughs) Does it say Prado on it? Yeah. Like, just walk down to Chinatown and get a knockoff Prada that's going to look better than whatever this is. Yeah, that was wild. I was like, what? What are we doing? It would probably cost the same, too. Anyway, so what we find out is that the cops are arriving at that purse place to basically like bust it and so they grab the purse they run they punch chris evans what we find out is that she heard the sirens yeah from the payphone and notified the cops so she sent them there not realizing it was going to kind of mess with her plan so now that her purse is gone she's kind of like i had to be home before him it's complicated and this is where he's like you're not wearing the ring you're in a different city you're lying to him are you having an affair yeah and she's like well if i was when i've just called my boyfriend he's like yeah maybe but like maybe he doesn't know you're married right anyway but so she he he doesn't ask any more questions and she's like i gotta be home by 7 a.m and he's like okay so that means you got to leave by like 334 so that puts like a timeline on the evening yeah so they call a car service and they find out it's going to be about 447 dollars to boston all in and he's like well can we raise that which i thought at that point that they were going to perform on the street and try to raise it like they were going to try and busk for that money yeah they don't i mean it cuts to like them on the train and he's playing but it seems like he's just playing for her yeah like they're not there's no hat down for money or anything you know like that sort of thing so just like a trumpet player Fucking cocky bastards. (laughs) Look at me. I'm going to annoy this whole train full of people. That big alpha move. (laughs) My my lips are perpetually chapped because of the mouthpiece. That actually is a thing in their world. Yeah, I know. I didn't even have to Google that. Do they have a reed in that or what is... Does a trumpet have a reed was your question? Oh, I'm sorry. Are you high-roading me on... (laughs) watched Todd do it. I was like, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> we don't know your nerd band shit. <laughs> Does a trumpet have a reed? <laughs> You're an idiot, Mikey. You are. Oh, no, they don't have reeds. No. Saxophones do, but trumpets don't. Yeah, woodwinds, some of them have reeds. So does a saxophone. That's a brass. Nope. Google that. Oh, no, he's right. There's a woodwind. Yep. Guys, you make fun of me for being a band nerd. At least believe me when I'm being a band nerd. No. <laughs> I can see. My college roommate yeah, yeah. for a long time was a saxophone player. He's actually, he just put out a new album. Ricky Hopkins. Go check it out. Cool. Getting a glimpse into this world here. Don't like it. Honestly, though, if you if you do like jazz, check out Ricky Hopkins. It's he's phenomenal, and he's played with like some of the best jazz musicians alive. Yeah, he's no trumpet player. So <laughs> we do find out that her husband works in finance, and that she used to work for Sotheby's in London. Now I have to burn a fun fact here, okay? Because it's the strangest fun fact ever. Okay. Alice Eve is British. Yeah, she is. That's the m- main reason she was hired for this movie. Because this character is British. I thought it was written where she was American and lived in London for a minute. That's what it seems like to me as well. That's what it seems like. However, no. In the script, she is a British woman. And that's why she has that, like, it's the French word that I'm not going to try and pronounce right now because I'm too tired and it's too early. The idea of not feeling at home in your own country. Yeah. Because London is her own country. She is supposed to have been a British woman who then moved to America to marry that guy that she's married to. And then Alice Eve arrived on set and was like, I think I'm going to play an American. And they were like, I guess you are. (laughs) So like, yes, her character technically is British, I guess. But this is where she gets her story of like, she didn't have a good time in London. She wasn't making friends and she was very lonely. So she talked to her bosses. They sent her on a buy in London or in Boston. And she met the man that she is now married to. And she never came back to London. She sent the painting back without her. And we find out that when she met the man that she is now married to, he had just been cheated on. Yeah. According to her. Which do you think he was? I don't know. I don't know either. I think he may have told her that. I'm sure he, she's not lying about the fact that that's what the story was. But. I will say that the person that his wife leaves him for was a mutual friend. And it was someone that she knew too. Because she says in the story it was someone we knew. Interesting. Okay. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, what they're going to try and do is try to get to the wedding reception and get to his friend that's there and see if they can borrow a couple hundred dollars from him to then get her to Boston. So they show up at what they think is the wedding reception and he is clearly dreading it he doesn't want to go he doesn't want to see uh we learn that her name is hannah yeah and he says that it was a bad breakup but we don't get more context yet but as they're waiting for the elevator it opens up and a couple tumbles out of it having just had sex in there like a log cabin yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know what it is better not to know yeah but they totally did have sex in there yeah because she's like did they just have sex in there and he's like it's better not to know but yes (laughs) don't touch anything yeah so they get to the reception And they're looking around and he's like, well, I really only know my friend Danny and the groom. He thinks he sees Hannah, but it turns out to be somebody else. And as they're kind of having an argument about what they're going to do, they look at some of the banners and realize they're not at a wedding reception at all. It's some corporate get together. Yeah. And as they turn to leave, a guy confronts them because he's still holding the trumpet. And he's like, you're the band. Where the fuck have you been? This whole thing. And so they try to negotiate like just 500 bucks up front to play, thinking that 
that they'll use that to then pay for the car that ride because it would have been yeah. enough right it would have been enough yeah so they start playing and he has her sing my funny valentine we really did not need the entire song no. for this and i understand that she's like i can't sing don't make me sing and then when we hear her sing she's not great which she's okay she's fine yeah she she is aggressively fine at it she's better than i would do disagree because you put on a show <laughs> So as they finish, the actual band shows up. Yeah. And that dude is angry. So they make a run for it to the green room because they have a key to the green room that the guy handed them when they first got on stage. Yeah, to like get ready or whatever. Right. So they call Danny, his friend at the wedding. And at which point she's like, how do you know all these numbers? And he's like, don't you have all your emergency contacts memorized? And she's like, no. And then, I, and I had a moment because I'm terrible about remembering Jake's phone number because it's changed since we got married. Oh, has it? And okay. I've, I've struggled to learn the new one because I just don't memorize phone numbers anymore. I don't either. Like I would not at all know anyone's phone number if I lost my phone. I, I think I would know two phone numbers my mom and my my childhood best friend that i am now the godparent to her son like those are the two numbers that i and i guess my sister's number those are the ones that i know my dad has gotten a new phone in the last couple years i never remember that number so like i'm lost without my phone for sure yeah i would be as well so he leaves a message for Danny and then they call down to order a car and charge it to the room, which is actually a pretty smart idea, sort of. It is really smart, but it also can get you in trouble. It can get you in a lot of trouble. I, I It's technically stealing, whatever. It is, but I think that what would probably happen is when they would check out, they would be like, we didn't order that car and then the hotel would be in trouble. But like, I don't know that they'd be able to trace it to them at all. Except for the door guy who magically remembers everyone's face ever, like this is a Law and Order episode. Anyway, <laughs> they chill in that hotel room for a little bit, and this is where we find out that he bought his trumpet with an engagement ring. And yeah. this is where they introduce the idea of hotel graffiti, which I did not know about, and now I'm going to have to check the backs of paintings every time. I'm in a lot of <laughs> hotels. <laughs> I don't know if this exists either. Tell me if it's real. I will tell you if it's real, if I see it. And this is probably just the class of hotel I stay in, but the paintings are bolted to the wall. Yeah, that's true. That that has been my experience recently as well. Yeah. So like, I don't know if that exists, but it would be cool if it does. But I'm going to start checking on the back of them because this reminded me of the sandwich and what if, yes. but I think this is handled a lot better because they don't beat it to death. Because like in this one, we get the introduction to it here. We find one of those pictures. It's very funny because it's like a mermaid with giant boobs. Yeah. And then we don't really talk about it again until the end. And then when it comes up in the end, it is actually very, very sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really cute callback. So um, they go to the lobby where they talk to the concierge, who is Chris Evans' younger brother, Scott. Really? Yes. I love it. Which, if you have not watched, they have a tendency to go on Jimmy Fallon together, where for a while, Chris Evans wouldn't go on talk shows very often because he didn't like doing those interviews. Sure. He felt very nervous about yeah. them. So he would bring his brother... And Jimmy Fallon was one of the few places that would let them bring his brother. So they played like the newlywed game as brothers. Sometimes they've played beer pong together on the show. It's actually That's really great. fun to watch them together. I love that. Yeah. I just love that like someone's talking to Chris Evans' brother. He's like, hey, well, uh, what are you doing this weekend? He's like, man, my, my brother's dragging me to fucking Kimmel. I got to play beer pong because he's nervous. 
His brother is also an actor, just in general. Uh, his brother was on True Blood one time. Oh, really? Okay. Oh. Yeah, his brother's a working actor. He just doesn't get as much work as Chris Evans. Uh, but he's also openly gay. So a lot of times you'll see his brother in like LGBT stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Anyway, the doorman is like, you're not Mr. Whoever. And they're like, or Mr. Childers, I guess is the name. And he's like, uh, we're going to go get a drink instead. <laughs> I do like how they play it off. It was a really smart way of playing it off. It was. So they find a payphone, and this is where they introduce the idea of I'm trying to call myself in the past. Yeah. Which I feel like there was something similar to this in Before Sunset where they do the like phone thing. And I didn't like it a lot then. I don't love this now until the end. The payoff of it is worth it. Yeah, the it's payoff so is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this scene goes on too long. Yeah. But. I do love that like she has this whole drawn out thing and then he picks up the phone and he's like, bet it all on the socks. Like anytime there's time travel, you got to gamble. And I'm like, he's right. Yeah. So they have an idea to try and get her on a bus because it's going to be cheaper, but they don't have enough money and they can't talk their way onto the bus. Uh, They do manage to borrow a phone from somebody at the bus depot. And this is where she hasn't told him why she needs to beat him home. But he introduces the idea of like, can someone else do what you're trying to do? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, probably. So she borrows a phone, calls somebody. By the way, at three in the morning, which like. Yeah, that friend is awesome. That friend is awesome. But it also made me think that maybe the friend knew about the cheating and she had maybe confided in that friend. I mean, that's definitely a possibility because that friend was like, yes, Anything you need, I've got you. Up to yeah. the point where they throw a rock through the window and then don't yep. go in, which I thought was well, crazy, but whatever. There's a prequel to this where they like murder that other girl's husband together. Well, it, it sounded to me like, and this sounds terrible, when people are trying to escape bad domestic situations, you need someone to help you on the outside. And so if I was in her friend's shoes and I had a friend that I knew was in a bad relationship situation and I suddenly got a call from them at three in the morning, uh, we're in for a penny, in for a pound. Grab yeah. the shotgun. Let's go. Like, Do you hear yeah. that? God. I mean, I, I do hear it, but do I hear it? <laughs> My phone's always on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but when your phone's on and I call it, you charge me for the an hour. <laughs> yeah. Whether we talk for eight minutes or an hour. Yeah, well, that's a standard contract for that. But if you wanted me to like come get you or something. It would be more, I'd imagine. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I would be <laughs> yeah, there. That, that's an outpatient procedure. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's house calls. Anyway, so her friend is like, ride or die. I got you, bitch. I'm going to help you out. And she's like, oh, thank God. Okay. So she, at this point, relaxes because she thinks her problem is solved. Yeah. So at this point, she pivots to like his shit. Right. So she immediately is like, we got to go to that wedding. We got to find the thing. And it turns out that he got a voicemail that he was able to call into his voicemail. He got a voicemail from his friend that he called for the money. Yeah. They got the right address. And he's like, I don't want to go. And she's like, well, then we'll pretend to be together. And, you know, maybe that can add some you know, complication, I guess. <laughs> but it well, maybe make it'll make jealous. you feel better about seeing her. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to make Hannah jealous. I thought it was less so than making her jealous, more that he didn't have to show up alone. Does that make sense? Yeah. But also, Hannah was nothing. The, the casting to the on that was a little odd, I thought. <laughs> but you know what? That happens like that in real life where, like, 
somebody will talk somebody up and they're like, I just, I'll never get over them. They're super gorgeous. And oh my God, that's them. And you look over and you're like, <laughs> what? That looks like some, that looks like someone you would fuck in a log cabin behind Second Avenue. There, there's, <laughs> there's a comment that, that he makes that uh, she'll know that you're not my type. So I think they had to try and distinguish her as a different type. And in doing so, they went too far. I think I think a better question, like if, if a, an uglier actor was playing that role versus like if I was there with Alice Eve, I'd be like, she's going to know you're out of my league. Absolutely. <laughs> because if you play back to the collection episode of Horror Virgin, Mikey talked about how attractive this exact actress was. A lot she is. in that episode. She was. She's also going to be in the forthcoming Collected, Mikey. Ooh. They canceled production of that during COVID. Oh, I, don't know I don't know. I'm just looking at her IMDb because I I, need, I wanted to confirm it was her for the joke. Oh. I don't like her with that short of hair. That's how she normally wears it. Have yeah. you seen She's Out of My League, which, which is her also? No, he's talking about the brunette. No, he was talking about Alice Eve. No, I'm talking about Emma Fitzpatrick who played the brunette. Wait, what? Okay, I, I thought you were talking she about Alice Eve. She was the one put in the box in the collection yeah yeah that mikey was like super into the entire time interesting i am into her it is an interesting haircut for her face i do not like that haircut on her but i also she is only shot from the shoulders up ever and i feel like if we had a better gauge of her as a whole person maybe that haircut would fit more i was not expecting the person to have the i wish they had shown us more of that woman's body take to be page i figured that <laughs> would have been not Mikey's. so much that as much as like we don't know much about her other than she's into graphic design which that haircut definitely does suggest graphic <laughs> design because it's got layers <laughs> that's a photoshop joke oh yeah i get it i mean i got it i thought it was hilarious yeah but it's, we literally just see her face, shoulders up. That's it. I'm with Paige. We need to see more of her body. I think maybe they were trying to hide the pregnancy thing because they figured if we saw her body, we would have noticed. But I'm like, they were there. He would have also noticed if she was that pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, well, in your 30s, you do have to kind of play a game like, do you think they're an alcoholic or they're pregnant? Oh, yeah, that is a very dangerous game. Um, but you also have to play the game of someone tells you they're pregnant and you're like, Am I excited or do uh, do, do we you need, need a, a ride to a, plan? a state that <laughs> yeah, like, has what's abortion services? Yeah. Hey, are we excited or are you going to cry? <laughs> Just please tell me. Um, it could be both, honestly. Could be both. And that's acceptable. That is acceptable. I have <laughs> I have a friend who uh, notoriously always airs on the side of like, I'll get my keys, bitch. And then <laughs> it created some problems as people got older and they were like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, so when are we going? <laughs> yeah, I'll get, my, like, I'll get my keys. She's like, no, my, my husband and I are keeping it. She's like, we had IVF. Oh, yeah, we've been trying is, for this for this a year and a half. This was super expensive. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so at this point, I checked the time on this movie because it felt like it had been going on much longer than it had. And I realized that there was more than half of the movie left and we had had almost a whole movie's worth of plot already. <laughs> but that's just because of the way they structured the conflict in the story is that something bad happens and then they immediately solve it or it's no longer an option. Yeah. But none of it carries through. So you feel like you've solved a whole movie's worth of problems 
but we're only 40 minutes into the movie. So that's where it started to really frustrate me and where it really felt like it was paced a little rough is because you kept feeling like, okay, this next thing is going to be some sort of key to something. No, and it doesn't lead anywhere after that. We have to find a new thing. And yeah. that kind of gets... Just like dating. I mean, I guess. Uh, sometimes you got to find a new log cabin. <laughs> and I did, Paige. Just like Abraham Lincoln did. That's what <laughs> something that Todd and Abraham Lincoln have in common. They probably both fucked in log cabin. Yes, and we also share a birthday. So like... And a love of hats. I think we were destined to both just really love breaking in log cabins. Oh my God, I just realized the eggs Abraham Lincoln. Did you wow. create a breakfast diorama of the place that you fucked that lady? I came up with the eggs Abraham Lincoln before that happened. Sure you did. But I'm okay. not saying that I didn't choose that location because of how good the eggs Abraham Lincoln was. <laughs> <laughs> These walls are made of sausage. Dude, are you on drugs right now? No. <laughs> that reminds me of the romantic time that I had with a ex where we snuck off to tent city to hook up oh no and she was like you know what else is pitching a tent this is just making me want <laughs> breakfast oh, diner sorry. food yeah yeah no i love a good diner especially in the middle of the night if you're like do you want to hang out at a diner at 4 a.m yes i do every time yes i do too todd never calls me to do that I'm asleep at 4 a.m. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. Uh, you're never going to get a call from me at 4 unless you're going to have to come help me bury a body. And we'll be at the diner waiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew this day would come, Todd. I knew someday we'd have to bury peaches. <laughs> I just didn't think it'd be this soon. So they show up. They meet Hannah. And he and Hannah, they I think they try to do this whole, like, they've got great banter, but they really don't. No, like, I'm like, oh, I see why they broke up. Yeah, they they shouldn't be together. He's <laughs> it's, too good for her. <laughs> no, there's uh, there's not a ton of chemistry there. And then after, because Cole, the other guy is there, and they leave, and so they kind of leave the reception to go talk. Yeah. And this is where he's like, that was awful. Uh, I felt like I rehearsed something to say and then there was nothing. And like he tells the story of how they met and broke up, where they met when he was pre-med and she was into graphic design. And she encouraged him to pursue music instead. She got a job offer and he was going to propose to her and follow her to where her job offer was. Basically yeah. like, great, let's go. And he got home after buying the ring and she broke up with him. Because she was like, I'm getting a new job. It's time for a break. Which the movie treats this as the meanest decision on earth. But I honestly don't think it is. <laughs> Especially if you don't see a future with someone. This is a valid reason and a good time to break up with someone. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. It's embarrassing and hurt and it's very sad. But like you don't have to marry anyone you don't want to. Yes. But this is also why I'm like, he shouldn't go back. She made her choice. She has clearly not regretted it. No. She like she has never reached out in those six years. It's over. It's been over. Yeah. It was over the day she walked out that door. But guys fantasize like, I'm going to live a good life. They're going to realize how great I am. They're going to like come running. It just, just that they met me again. But he says all that. And the advice she should give him is that's unrealistic. She's a person. She's going to make the choice she's going to make. And you're a person and you can choose to be happy without her. Yeah. And you should because your life is worthy of happiness whether she's in it or not. And that's not the advice he gets because he's like, I thought she'd be alone. I didn't know she was dating somebody. And she goes, well, the, the in the movies or whatever, this person's never alone. You don't know the odds. Maybe she's about to break up with that guy. You got to go back there. And I'm like, no, like 
if those were the odds, she would have called in six years. She did point out that she said that I'm staying at the Radisson or whatever, I, which I'm was saying, a weird I'm way staying to at the Soho that. Grand. And yeah. I did pick up on that too, that she said I'm, even though she's clearly there with someone. Yeah, if I was Cole, the guy she's there with, I'd be like, I am. <laughs> like what? Yeah. I am too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're carrying my baby. Yeah. Well, we don't even know if it's his baby. That's true. Because Cole might be like her gay best friend. We have no idea. We have no idea. And we find out the next day that because Cole's not going to lunch with them the next day, which we'll find out. So like, oh, how funny would that be if he was like, she's pregnant with some randos baby. She doesn't even know whose it is. But she says these are the happiest I've ever been. Comma. I don't think I should be with her. I did (laughs) once have a phone call from a girl I dated who uh, the guy after me that she we broke up. It wasn't like she cheated on me, but like literally three months after we broke up, she got pregnant in a one night stand sort of situation. Oh no! And then she called me and was like, hey, would you want to raise this child with me? So that was a fun conversation. I hope I don't get a call like that because I think at this point I'd be like, okay. No. (laughs) So he goes back in and talks to her and then comes back out and is like, she's happy. I came back to talk to her. We're going to lunch tomorrow, all three of us. And at this point she's like, oh, that guy, Cole, she invited him and he's like, no, she's pregnant and she says that it's the happiest she's ever been brutal which again to me is like you should have done known this man like what are we talking about here she she went six years without speaking to you and didn't give it much thought clearly yeah she had your number she didn't call it she knew you the whole time yeah so at this point, he's like, I don't even think I'm going to go to the audition, which is super dumb. It because, is. Like, and she points that out. But yeah, it is very dumb. And and I do think he chooses to go. We don't know for sure. But I do think he by the end of the movie, I think he's going to go. I think so, too, Paige. Yeah. Uh, but this is where they stumble across the psychic who happens to be taking his trash out. And they're like, we don't have any money. And he's like, I know. Get in here. I <laughs> like, sort of loved that. I thought that was so great. Like, it was funny. And. He doesn't say much to Chris Evans, but he does say to Alice Eve, like, you know what your problem is, but you're exactly wrong. You think you have no choice, but you do have choices. You're just afraid to look at them. You could walk away. You can always walk away. Yeah. Or you could have a future with Chris Evans, basically. And she's like, I'm married to someone else. And he says, I stand by what I see. <laughs> yeah, I didn't stutter. I said what I, I said. I didn't stutter. He's fucking Captain America. Unless yeah. you're married to the Look Winter Soldier, this is a moot conversation. <laughs> or Thor or any of the other Avengers, basically. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, she could definitely do worse. Right. And did. I mean, her um, husband's cheating on her. Not just cheated. <laughs> yeah. Full-blown affair. Full-blown affair. Oh, yeah. Full-blown extra relationship, lying to her, flying to see someone. Yeah. I think if they had set it up as he had a one-night stand with somebody and then ended it because he felt guilty, but she finds out about it and she's conflicted, that's a different conversation for me. Mm. That's a, like, I'm, I don't love it, but I feel like that's something you can talk about of, like, I made a mistake. I feel terrible. Let's try to work this out. Let's go to therapy. He had a full on affair. Yeah. (laughs) Like continually. And then maybe ended it, maybe not. We're not sure. And then kept lying to her about it the whole time. (laughs) Like I was like. It was bad. It was real bad. Yeah. And she says, what if those choices aren't up to me? And he counters with, you can't allow the people you love to determine how you love, which is great advice in this situation because she's kind of letting the affair happen to her, if that makes sense. And I don't, that sounds terrible. 
I do not mean this to victim blame. In this movie, she has demonstrated that she has known about the the affair for a long time, but she feels like she cannot leave and not for like financial reasons. She feels like she cannot leave because of true love. And I yeah. would argue that this is not love. He is not demonstrating love yeah. toward her in this scenario. And I think that's what the psychic is getting at is like, you are not tied. Like you don't have to force yourself to be in a bad relationship because of some cosmic version of love or this pedestal you've put someone on. You can advocate for yourself yeah, and you should, you deserve happiness or at least you deserve a better relationship where someone's not lying to you all the time. Yeah. So uh, she says easier said than done. And he says no refunds, which I thought was great because they did not pay. Yeah. Anything. They didn't pay for shit. <laughs> it was perfect. So she borrows his phone and calls her friend that she thought had taken care of the letter and everything. Yeah. And the friend reveals that she, there was no hide a key. And so she broke into the house and the alarm went off and she couldn't get the letter and she ran away. The woman her husband was having an affair with moved it. Ooh, maybe somebody moved it. She's in Atlanta guys. Well, we don't know that she, I mean, planes exist. That would have been a dark turn. We, we don't know that that didn't happen. I know. You know? I agree. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, you're right. Especially knowing that Alice Eve travels for work. So at this point, she says, well, it's already 5 a.m. Just get some sleep, which means that she has missed her window to make it home in time to beat him. Yeah. So he is going to see that letter. There is no stopping it at this right. point. It's going to happen. Which, honestly, good. Uh, yes, good. Because even if for some crazy reason you decide to stick together after that, everything she says in that letter is valid and she is saying it plainly. And that's probably the plainest and most direct she is going to be about it. Good relationships require good communication. Yep. And they have not been communicating at the very least you know, mm -hmm. it's a bad relationship all around because of what's happening. But still, like, it's going to be good either way. And I don't think they yeah. stay together. I don't think they should stay together. Yeah, but I hope they don't. Yeah. yeah. But like, we'll get to it at the end when we talk about do we think they're still together? Yeah. No, I don't think so. But anyway, so uh, we cut to they leave the psychic and she is now breaking down what happened to Chris Evans, where she's like, this is how I found out he was cheating. I knew for months and I didn't say anything. And then I found an email that suggested that maybe he had broken it off and maybe he chose me, which is you're married to him. That should not be a choice. Does that make sense? Like, it should be a choice he makes every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if he was making that choice every day, he would not have cheated on her, though. Like, I mean, exactly. They're in the situation because he is not who he needs to be to be married to her. Right. And and I realize that there are different types and structures of relationships where this scenario would play out differently because people have given each other permissions or whatever. But oh, that's a different like. Yeah. Like polyamorous yeah. people, way or people who have open yeah. relationships. Right. Like if you're able to do that, you're both consenting to that. Awesome. Have fun. Great. That's yeah. just clearly not what happened. Exactly. Here. She clearly did not consent to this. Right. There was no communication from him that he wanted to have an open marriage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she thought he had chosen her. And then two days before she ended up in New York, he went to Atlanta and she found another email and she went crazy because it seems like he's going to meet up with her again. But then he's coming home instead and not seeing her or maybe saw her a different time. Like, or literally had just finished with her and called. Yeah, exactly. And, and was like, hey, I yeah. got to go because he doesn't really love her either. He's just using yeah. her for sex. Yep. And so she writes a letter of like, I've known about everything. It's fucking over and leaves her wedding ring and engagement ring in 
the letter yeah and left it on the bed and that's the letter she's been trying to retrieve but again i'm glad he's gonna find it yeah honestly this stuff needs to be out in the open it does yeah and then they have a really interesting conversation in a coffee shop where she says she's basically like what if she's his true love and i'm like that's the problem is this cosmic concept of true love instead of being a person who has to respect and and care about another person tangibly in your life and make choices to do that every day because she's like do you think you could meet the perfect person while committed and he actually has a good answer i like like, his answer too no because if you're committed that's your person you won't be able to find perfection in somebody else yeah Yeah, you you choose that person now granted if things are going badly and a relationship is ending you will probably start to see things in other people but you should be communicating with your committed person yeah anyway but this is also where he gives half good advice because i do agree with the advice of like if someone is truly committed then no you're not going to meet another person because you are committed you are choosing the other person every day yeah but then on the flip side he does the well if i'm telling you what you want to hear then you already have your answer which means go back to him he loves you and i'm like he clearly is not treating her with love right now right he is not choosing her and and the bullshit well maybe he didn't see her so he did choose her he should have been choosing her that whole time Mm -hmm. like this is not a debate i think i think he's struggling with what to say because he's like yeah he's basically saying any guy would be any any guy would be an idiot to cheat on you right but he goes a little too far with that but then also says go back to him but again i think this falls under the the banner of deflecting the chemistry Mm -hmm. yeah so she tries to ditch him at that cafe which i think again is deflecting the chemistry Uh uh-huh and she was going to go to the airport and then fly to her mom's and figure stuff out i think he's should have let her do that well i think he was just pissed that she left him (laughs) yeah no i agree i think that that's where she should end up but she had no real way of doing that like she would have gotten to the airport and they would have been like you're not able to fly without an id and you can't buy a ticket so get the fuck out yeah and that cabbie's calling the police yeah (laughs) yeah i understand why he stops her because the plan is actually not something that she could do but i do feel like instead of leaving in the morning and going to her husband she should be going to her parents or wherever you know or somewhat some safe place where she can talk stuff out and whatever yes exactly and and not with somebody that is a potential romantic rival (laughs) yeah yeah she shouldn't end up with chris evans at the end of this movie maybe in six months or in a year like that's a different story but like she should not be like hey i'm staying at my new boyfriend's house fuck you to her husband right 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 so and she's actually pretty mean to him in this scene and they kind of fight yeah but they decide ultimately to go to his friend's hotel room that they have a key to um and he's like ordering room service she's taking a shower and she's like in the bathroom like what am i doing what like what am i going to do um but then this is a weird note but I promise it'll make sense. It cuts to him in the hotel room, like the actual room part. And he takes his jacket off, which he's been in his jacket the whole movie and reveals a shirt underneath that I think is just a shirt he owns because I've seen him in it multiple (laughs) other times. I love this fun fact. He did a movie in 2011 where he it was like an indie movie called Puncture that he like helped get off the ground. And Mm -hmm. it's actually a really interesting movie. But he definitely wears this same shirt in a very prominent scene in that movie. If it's not the same shirt, it looks almost exactly like it. So this is his alien shirt is what you're saying. 
I think so. I think so. I think if his 2000 Honda CRV with a bumper sticker on it that says proud parent of a fucking skeleton army, if that car got stolen and that shirt was in it, I think he'd be upset. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So the door to the bathroom opens and he comes into the bathroom in his robe and gets close, like too close. She kisses him, though, but he does get a little too close. She does. But and in my notes, I was like, this is going to upset the whole apple cart. Yep. Like, and it does. Whatever. This is oof. Uh, and she kisses him. And then she says, I can't. I'm sorry. And he backs off. Yeah. He's like, like consent. I get it. I get sexy it. as yep. fuck. Yep. It was weird that like the second he was like, OK, and backed off. I was like, well, now I really do want him to kiss her. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about you? No, but like. Where it, are you going, baby girl? But it, <laughs> In a consensual way. But the idea that he he was like. You're right. I respect you. I was like, see, he is a good guy. <laughs> like he didn't he didn't have ulterior motives. He's gonna let her be unmolested. Yeah. Well, they're not in a log cabin page, so he's not. <laughs> they're not in that. a giant shower where he grabs her by the neck. <laughs> I can't wait till you guys see the third one by the well, we have to watch the second one, which is bonkers. But like I've decided not to watch them until we do the episode. Yes, Mikey, you should anyway. So in the hotel room. They start drawing doodles on the back of the paintings, which is very fun. And then they do the hotel survey, but about each other, which is kind of fun. I thought that was fun, too. Yeah. And I like that he writes her a note and leaves it with her. We never find out what it says. I assume it's his contact information. Yeah, that's that would be my guess as well. Like it was his full name and phone number or, you know, address or email or some way for him or some way for her to contact him. If she decides to leave her husband or if she just wants to talk like, yeah, here's my Tumblr. (laughs) I do feel like the way Chris Evans like acts in this movie, I do think he would be sort of open to just like being friends with her. Yeah, I think that might be tough. It would be tough. I think they could physically distant be friends. That's what I mean. But she lives in Boston. He lives in New York. Where does he live? Uh, We don't know where he lives. No, Philly. Oh, he moved to Philly. Philly? Yeah, I thought I thought he had moved to Philly. Oh, God. But if he gets the job, he would move to New York. Yeah. Anyway. So they end up talking all night and he reveals that like part of the reason he stuck with music is because he kind of wanted her to see him succeed and want to get back together. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but now I want to see if I'm good enough just for me. Yeah. Which is good. Like, I I like that arc as a character. I like that arc, too, because you really should do things in your life for you, not because you want your ex-girlfriend from six years ago to notice you again. Yeah, six years, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time. It is a long time. That's crazy. And she, at this point, is like, seems like she is not going to get back together with her husband, but she has to go back and see what she's going to do. And he's like, but you love him. She's like, I love him. And I'm like, no, no, no. let's not reinforce that, please. So uh, the next day they take a cab to Grand Central. And it's very, this is very sad. This did make me cry because that hotel room scene where they actually have a lot of chemistry and they're talking it out does kind of make up for some of the stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. And so you do kind of want them to be together, even though they should not be together. Like, at least not right now, you know? Yeah, I want them to be together in like a year. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's sort of why I want an update, like a, like a sequel, because I want right. to know how they ended up together, because I do secretly want them to be together. I just want Chris yeah. Evans to like tweet out the headcanon of what happened. All I needed was one extra scene at the end that like was them a year later but also i understand why they don't have that like i don't love the ending as is but i'm 
I'm sure they want to end it so that it's like, what do you think she did? And it's like, you could have just told us, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved it if we got like a four-year time jump and they're dropping off their daughter at daycare or something like that. You know, something that like signifies they did get together or whatever, but time passed before they were able to do that because it's not really the right time for them to be... I mean, At least not for her. Yeah, exactly. I I was about to say, Chris Evans is like well within his rights to be with other people and honestly probably has been she was just like the one that got away I guess his ex from six years ago or whatever like I I don't know but Chris Evans looks like Chris Evans and sex (laughs) feels great so like I refuse to believe he hasn't been dating but he is a trumpet player that just I mean trumpet players can pull man (laughs) a very real reality in a trumpet player's life is learning how to circular breathe and something called double tonguing so yeah they do fine with the ladies, Mikey. All right. <laughs> Dumbest nerdy as shit. <laughs> I love this episode for so many reasons. It's okay. I got really into pools this summer. I get what you're talking about. <laughs> Guys, I'm just going to say this out loud into the world. Don't Google double tonguing. Oh, Because <laughs> you will get stuff about trumpet playing, but it's not all that. <laughs> Some rusty trombone as well. Anyway, there's a payphone at the train station and they do the calling their past selves, essentially calling their past selves to be like, make sure you meet this person, essentially. Yeah, I, I love that part of it. It was very sweet because Chris Evans just calls himself in the past. And right. then he says like a lot of stuff that he really is trying just to say to her, but can't really. Yeah. And then she, as he goes to hang up, is like, wait, 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 wait. And then she says, don't pay your credit card bill. And I badly wanted Chris Evans to be like, yeah, that wasn't possible anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she basically, he basically, I I like what he says, like, you know, thank her for at the end, just thank her for showing him you can love more than one person in this life. And yeah, yeah, it was a sweet, it was a sweet moment. And and he's, he starts tearing up and she starts tearing up and I start tearing up. And then they have sort of like a awkward kiss because they do kiss, but she like has her hands on him. Like she's almost about to push him away. Sort of a thing. I thought it was, she was trying not to pull him in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I mean, that could be too. Yeah. Because this kiss seemed infinitely hotter than the other ones. And I was like, I thought it was hot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So she leaves, she gets on the train. As she's on the train, she finds the survey in her pocket, which she flips over. We don't know what it says, but I would assume it's contact information. And And that's 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 the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about Before We Go? I always really like it. I wanted to show it to you. I didn't know you were a big fan, Todd. I'm happy about it. I wouldn't have called myself a big fan, Mikey. I watched it once at a time in my life that was very sad. So I've always associated this movie with that time in my life. So I have never gone back and rewatched it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And I honestly, Mikey, when you suggested this movie last week, I forgot that that was the name of this movie. So I didn't realize it until she runs through the Grand Central Station that it was that movie. And I was like, I love this movie. I'm here for mm. this, you know, and I'm glad I rewatched it because now I'm very far removed from that very sad time in my life. Right. So like it, it was a good rewatch for me and I really, really enjoy this movie. Paige? Solid meh. Like I don't hate it, <laughs> but I'm not going to watch it again, which is saying something because Chris Evans is in it, but he needed less shirts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, yeah. I will grant you, he does not rip a log in half in this movie. And I do think that that is like... It's missing it. At least from your version of this, yeah. I will say, though, because I watched Gray Man uh, recently, 
I love him as a villain. He was Ooh, great he should play more villains. in that movie. And that movie is, I would say, it's aggressively okay. meh for an action yeah. film. But yeah. I do feel like him and Ryan Gosling do great in that movie. But it is sort of meh. Yeah, I don't think they give Ryan Gosling a ton to do. And it seems like it's kind of like Mission Impossible light. But much like Henry Cavill is a great villain in that one Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. So too is Chris Evans a great villain in this movie. And Sebastian Stan stay being a great villain all the time. It's almost like instead of being Marvel heroes, they should all be Marvel villains. And I would watch the fuck out of that shit. I would honestly just love to see them do movies that weren't superheroes. Same. Because I'm so bored of superhero movies, man. More freshes, less civil wars. Honestly, yeah. Or more stuff like this. Like, I I didn't know Chris Evans could act like this. Oh, you should see Puncture. Dude, Puncture's fucking what? good. We've watched What's My Number. <laughs> I do love What's Your Number. <laughs> I do mean when I first watched this, which was 2016, 2017-ish. Like, I just didn't know he could act anything other than being a pretty boy who could throw a shield, right? Or in Snowpiercer, where it turns out he ate somebody's arm. God, Snowpiercer's such a terrible movie. It's, the it's show really is rough much to better. get through. The, the show is actually really good, though. I really love movies that are, like, anti-capitalistic in message, and Snowpiercer is trying. Aggressively. Is, to be yeah. that aggressively and normally like I'm here for that like the purge movie loved the, the theme of that movie Snowpiercer is just terrible in execution um anyway on a scale of one to ten how romantic did you find this film this is an eight for me Mikey I was 1000% gonna give it an eight <laughs> oh I'm giving this like a three I do feel like this really hits like maybe even personal memories I know it does for me I, but yeah, maybe for Mikey yeah, as well yeah, yeah. so I think that's yeah, why uh -huh. yeah I could see that do you guys think they're still together mm, do, here's a question do I want them to eventually be together sure I'd be fine yes. with that do I think they are no I think she went back and didn't leave him I, in truth, don't care if they're still together. I think the point of the movie is that they both learn that there isn't just one person for you in your life. And if you are mm -hmm. married or in a committed relationship with somebody and it doesn't work out, you can find love again. It's yeah. not the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So like they show each other that you can find love again and maybe they find love with each other or they just go and find love with somebody else. And that's also as happy to me as them ending up together, you know? I mean, I'm not happy about it if it's if it's her back with her husband. Yeah. It's, that's not as happy to me, but like, oh, sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In my mind, she's leaving to, or she's going back to end things. But I agree. Like, if she goes back and stays with her husband, that's a little bit sadder for me. I, I yeah, I think, I'm with Paige. I think she does stay, but I, I hope that they ended up together like three years later. Or sooner. I mean, if she gets divorced, give it six months, you know, eight months, yeah. a year, however long the divorce takes, or at least to separate and then just, you know, figure it out. Yeah, I, I say as soon as you're like, we're ending this, that it's fair game because paperwork takes a long time. But like oh, my, my divorce took a it. year. My quote unquote wife at that time and I were both dating other people by the time we were officially divorced. Yeah, yeah, for okay. sure. Okay, She's actually still with the guy she was dating at the time. She she did mm. much better than me. <laughs> so, Paige, you have some fun facts for us? I have a few, yes. Well, hit us with your fun facts, Evans. Fun, fun facts. facts. Uh, so, Chris Evans really wanted to learn how to play the trumpet for this movie because he actually plays a handful of instruments. He definitely plays piano and he plays a couple other things. That's too. cool. But he found it really difficult to learn yeah. and decided to just learn the accurate fingering instead because he did learn all the fingering but couldn't make it sound good. So, it is a stunt trumpet but that, i guess that just you know maybe that's why trumpet players are such studs i don't, I don't fucking know they can buzz their lips real well mm. 
So originally this movie, like the script uh, was titled 130 Train and director Joel Schumacher was attached, which would have been a very different movie. Yeah, right. I'm here for that interpretation of it. Honestly, yeah. The uh, the original casting for Brooke, who, the name was different. It gets changed to Brooke. But it was Monica Bellucci. Really? Uh, when okay. When this film was in development in 2008. Yeah. So if Alice Eve's character wants to get to Boston, she should actually be at Penn Station. So that's the only terminal that Amtrak mm-hmm. departs to Boston mm-hmm. from. So at minimum, she will have to change trains. I wonder if she was trying to get to Penn Station on that train she missed at Grand Central Station. That's why she asked if that ticket would work if she made it to Penn Station. Oh, maybe. I mean, I'm literally speculating. I have no idea. I don't know. But essentially, she's in the wrong starting place if she wants a direct to Boston. So one of the producers and actors in this film, Mark Casson, who I believe plays Danny, the friend, plays the secondary lead and directed Puncture, which is that film in 2011. Oh, okay. So Chris Evans put him in this because they'd worked together on Puncture. But I'm here to tell you, Puncture is super good and interesting. And Chris Evans like helped get it made. It was like a whole thing. But it's about the invention of uh, retractable needles. It's really fucking good. It's a really interesting movie. Yeah, it doesn't cool. fit any of our stuff. But if you get a chance to watch Puncture, super interesting. Yeah, cool. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget was for before we go in? It came out in 2015 um, is when it was in theaters. But I, I think they shot it in 2013. I know what the budget was. I have to recuse myself. Okay. Three million. Mikey, it was exactly three million dollars. Oh! So it was low budget. I would not be surprised at all if he financed it 100% himself because- He probably did, yeah. He had Avengers money at this point because he had been in, I think, at least three movies in that Marvel Universe at this point? Uh, not quite three. He'd been in at least, I think, two at that point. Okay. But he had Marvel money. So it premiered on September 4th, 2015, and was 65th in the box office the week it came cool, out. Cool. It was mm-hmm. only in 21 theaters. Also out that week was the number one movie, War Room. Number two, Straight Outta Compton. Number three was A Walk in the Woods. Number four was The Transporter Refueled. And number three was Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Page. Isn't that the one with Henry Cavill? No. Oh, my bad. That's the one. I think that's two before. Oh, that's Sean Harris and Jeremy Renner. Uh, Fallout is the Henry Cavill one. Okay. So what do you think, before we go, Made, in its opening weekend... Ooh, it was only in 21 theaters? 21 theaters, Paige. I'm going to say it makes 500,000. Okay. I'm going to say 40,000. Mikey, you are way closer, but it only made $18,630 in its opening weekend. Uh, It was then in the theaters for another three weeks, so four weeks total. It pretty much ran every weekend in September of 2015 and then left theaters. What do you think it made in its domestic box office run? Full run, I'm going to say it doesn't clear a million. So I'm going to say 800,000. Okay, Mikey, what do you think? 150,000. All right, you guys are a little bit off. It's $37,151. Oh, brutal. And that's, again, domestically. It did make $446,000 in the international box office for a worldwide total of almost $500,000 at $483,000. And then it made another $417,000 in the home market performance. So it so that's almost a million. I bet this movie made money because of 
it's been it's on streaming a lot. Yeah, and that's like the X factor with a lot of these movies that are sort yeah. of on the line. They could have made money. I don't know what you know. Tubi paid, Netflix paid back in the day to stream it. So like, it could have made money at this point. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. but at least in the theaters, it did not make its money back. And that is your box office. Thank you for your box office. So this week, Mikey, you made us watch before we go. Next week is my pick. And I'm picking a movie that I saw and I'll say aggressively hated when it came out in the theaters. I'm so curious. And it is the 2013 romance sci-fi film, Her. <laughs> Ooh, okay we're getting weird with it all right okay all right, all right, i liked right. her i think i haven't seen it's it since... been a long time since i've seen it i saw this in the theaters in 2013 and i remember hating it i remember right. nothing about the movie though so i could have just been in a bad mood that night i'm actually interested to go back and revisit it because i might not hate it as much but I aggressively hated it. Scarlett Johansson's voice? Yeah, I'd have an affair with it. (laughs) But anyway, so your homework for next week is to watch a full-ass grown man fall in love with his Siri in the movie Her. It's better than his body pillow. I don't know, man. You could fuck a body pillow. Oh, we got to watch Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah, yeah, we got (laughs) it. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do. I did it. Whose review are you going to read this week? Sarah, one, two, three, four, zero, nine, eight, seven, six, five. So what does Sarah have to say? She said, once was lost, baby girl, but now was found, <laughs> I think. <laughs> baby girl. She said, I was going to ask Mikey to read this in his best Todd impression, but I don't know if his vocal cords or my ears could handle that. Wow. I will say that your Todd impression is aggressively not me. Moving on. <laughs> I started listening. <laughs> I'll not take personal insults like that. <laughs> I just become Italian after two sentences. I don't think that's me. It's me, Todd. <laughs> I started I started listening after I got caught up with Colt Podcast in about six months so I could listen to more Paige Wesley goodness. Yeah. Yay. Between RTP and the horror version, this trio's other show, Paige, Mikey, and Todd keep me sane during my work days. Thank y'all for the laughs and laters, babies. And she has like a, she's got the blushing heart around her emoji. Oh, with like the three hearts stars. around the face? Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Sarah, one, two, three, four, zero, nine, seven, six, five. Thank you so much for that awesome five star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn. It's, it. it's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show oh. SHO like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. 
That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. <laughs> Do you want to ride my 1 a.m. train? No, no. <laughs> I was going to be like, you know, you want to spin in my trumpet. You... Yeah, so my question to you, Paige, is would you let Chris Evans empty his spit valve on you? Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd let Chris <laughs> Evans empty pretty much anything onto me. Uh, bye! <laughs> spit valve nerds! <laughs>